be people smart, enabling organisations and individuals to be disability inclusive and accessible. Hello everyone and welcome to this Be People Smart podcast. I'm really excited today to have two fabulous um, guest speakers with you and what we are speaking about today is inclusive well-being. So my name is Jade Greer, I am the founder of Be People Smart and more importantly, and I'll get them to introduce themselves, we have Emily and Ben. Emily, can I just get you to say hello first? Yeah, hello everybody, it's so nice to be here, thank you for having me. So I specialise in female body transformation um, and myself and my team work with lots of women all over the world who are working towards body transformation goals um, and we get to serve people on a one-to-one level so we work with lots of different ladies with lots of different goals in lots of different situations so I'm really excited to share some insight today and to bring as much value as possible. Wonderful, thank you. And then. Hi there, uh, thank you again for having me here, um, it's a pleasure to be here to uh, share my knowledge but yeah I'm Ben I'm a quadriplegic from a spinal cord injury and I run Adapt to Perform which is the world's largest resource of fitness for people with different abilities uh, I'm a wheelchair user so my knowledge of that combined with my background as an athlete I sort of put together and help people via follow along videos on YouTube live fitness workouts and my membership website as well where they can get a bit more of a program involved there Thanks, Ben. I can't move this conversation forward without a little bit of background on your professional um, athlete self. So can you just give us a quick, because I love all this sort of stuff, um, a quick story of kind of, you know, what you used to do um, and how you obviously use that to be able to help other people? Yeah, definitely. I normally do this speech in front of uh, a group, bigger group of people and I am, um, it's usually about 45 minutes long, so I won't, I won't take that long to, to, to explain it, but uh, essentially, my, my whole life was training for the London 2012 Olympics as a swimmer um, and just, you know, going off to boarding school, training all my life, that kind of stuff, uh, moving to Australia even to try and pursue that uh, with some of the best coaches in the world. Unfortunately, in 2010, I was back in the UK for a christening, dove into the, some shallow water at the local beach and hit my head and broke my neck at C7 level. Uh, that left me now in a full-time wheelchair user. Um, I tried to do swimming again for a bit, fell out of love with it because I just couldn't quite do it the same as I did before and I knew sort of where I was there so that put me in a bit of a dark place, a bit of depression came in that kind of stuff and came out of it by giving myself back to the sport in a different way which was via my coaching um, and during that I was trying to find some stuff for myself, you know, now being a wheelchair user, trying to find stuff online to get fit and healthy. I couldn't find anything because I was like, well, I've got the knowledge of the swimming background. I've got now my coaching um, knowledge and experience. Why don't I combine that together and started doing Adaptive Perform, which is yeah um, now grown into the largest resource in the world of adapted fitness. And yeah, I have about 12,000 people online that watch my videos and enjoy it and goes out to all corners so the Americas get Middle East or Australia so literally all around the globe and absolutely love it so thanks but you know I just think it's such a powerful story on so many levels in a sense of obviously the experiences you've had which you know a lot of people would have loved to have been part of but also I think when it comes to disability inclusion for instance we often um, find people don't resonate because they don't think it's about them and the reality is no one knows what life holds 
we're all only you know temporarily um, non-disabled so yeah no one knows what's coming and I love the fact that you've used you know even those experiences um you know now being a wheelchair user and so on to make sure that other people get the absolute best so yeah I think that's great stuff similarly although very different story Emily you had personal success with your own well-being didn't you which sort of helped drive your uh, helping other people yeah, absolutely. I did not have a desire for sport, uh, health or wellness when I was growing up. In fact, I was always, you know, the person that forgot her PE kit and uh, very much utilised food as a coping strategy up to my early 20s and uh, got to the point where I just mentally was so so unhappy um, working a lot and, and, and not really in, enjoying my life and being very driven by food. So um, I went through my own journey of discovery of finding my happy and finding that happy balance um, and learned a lot along the way. Um, and actually now as a benefit because it enables us to serve so many women to be able to go through a weight loss journey in a positive way. But mine went in all different directions it it went restrictive it you know i went from overweight to underweight to causing lots of psychological issues interlinked with food and body image um and then coming back to that middle ground and realizing that you know as, as women we are complex you know we're amazing but we're complex when it comes to female physiology and dieting uh, is something that actually you know can change your life um in, in a bad way if it's not done in the in the correct way as such so um yeah my baby is hormones i absolutely love uh, female hormones and understanding what's going on inside our bodies uh, and also how that interlinks with going through a successful sustainable weight loss journey um and yeah so for me a lot of experience of you know being in lots of different avenues uh you know one extreme to the other and now um delivering our service over the last four years we've worked with you know many ladies and been able to experience lots of different ladies that have different problems and that experience is incredible it really really is um and we've had some amazing clients that have it's been life-changing to see them transform um so yeah, it's uh, it's been a great, great journey, and I feel really lucky to actually be able to talk vulnerably, vulnerable, in a vulnerable way about my journey. Some may see a vulnerable side to it, but actually, it brings a lot of um, warmth to a lot of people. Um, I actually really like that because I think, of course, there's a lot to be said about expertise and so on, um, and you know, learning in different ways when you're getting sort of advice and support. But I do personally think if someone's got personal experience. I don't know it just helps resonate and it helps you kind of um feel that they they get you um but again like you're saying you also learn a lot as you go through different clients and different people's experiences and I mean me personally I'm not currently disabled um but I have learned over the past sort of 10 plus years so so much from people with disabilities I've just so many different experiences barriers challenges successes um, so I get most of my knowledge in what I do, um, absolutely, from other people. But yeah, I just I love hearing about all the different experiences. So one question I want to ask, which really is aimed at you, Emily, but Ben, please do obviously um, contribute as well, especially as I'm sure you must get some similar questions from your own clients anyway. So we talked about food and of course we all see, you know, less in more out and you know uh, reduce calories and this that and the other 
But I and I hear this myself from people a lot, you know, be that friends, family. We don't want to eat lettuce, but we want to be healthier and we want our food to taste nice. But of course, we want to make sure that we're looking after our bodies. So really, how simple can tasty but healthy meals be? Yeah, this is a really, really great, great question can absolutely be it's absolutely doable and actually we have loads of resources now available to be able to create that in your own kitchen if that's something that you are able to do but also external companies that are really you know taking a step forward of creating prepped foods that you can order in that really work and really are tasty um but it's having that education of knowing okay I, i'm going to pick up the five percent beef mints instead of the 15 percent beef mints and i'm doing it because of abc and 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 having the education around you know what foods um what foods to pick up and also you know what foods are actually quite calorie dense um and you know what foods we need we need specifically for that for that person i think when it comes to healthy as well we get drawn into the healthy foods that we think are healthy like the lettuce like you so you know you straight away said lettuce right so but when it comes to actually going through a sustainable weight loss journey or or really improving your health you know it's actually really important to make sure your body is getting enough and from my perspective of sitting in my seat I see lots of women that um you know and I talk about women because we specifically serve women but that that end up you know under eating and 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 actually leading to feeling awful and, and not seeing any change but both combined healthy can be done um but what you have to do is start thinking about those dishes that you love so like the lasagna the burgers the fish and chips all those foods that maybe you have that you love how can we do that in a way that ticks the healthy box and the tasty box and it absolutely can be done it's picking some key seasoning um it's having really clear advice and structure from clear recipes um, and also not taking on too much you know we don't work on going for seven new recipes in one week if that's overwhelming we work on small changes that are completely doable that you go yeah i'm, I'm bought into that i'm going to give that a go so basically you're saying we can have healthy but tasty. Hell yeah. <laughs> because I haven't ever, you know, we've never been able to support a client to adhere and, and enjoy the process and actually learn to live that new lifestyle if they're not enjoying the food that they're eating. So that's a key component to be able to really embed that new lifestyle change for sure. And it obviously keeps it sustainable, doesn't it? Because it's not just a diet. It's just a way of eating. Absolutely. A hundred percent. Like, you know, it, it's a, it, actually a really important point. You know, perhaps we start working with somebody. And one of the key things I always say is don't go and have a pizza tomorrow and loads of chocolate and all the things because you think that the next day when you start, it's going to be, you know, deprivation and diet restriction because that's what you've been used to because you've been going through all these dieting methods it's going to be an amazing journey you're going to eat all the tasty foods um and sometimes it is you know like a client at the moment her son wanted pizza so how do we make pizza work we adapt it into you know her structure so she can sit around the table and eat with her children so that's interesting obviously talking about also being able to cater for other people so Ben, you may have come across clients um, with questions on this as well. But of course, some people have to have their meals prepared for them. And often they don't want to make that more complex, you know, just feel like they're adding a whole new industry to somebody's day to make them stuff in a very specific way. 
So how would you say that people could educate their carers or their support staff um, without feeling like they're just asking for so much more? Yeah, so it's what you see with clients. When I first came out of hospital, I had carers myself. So I experienced this firsthand in terms of it. You know, I, I was a swimmer before my accident, so I had a healthy lifestyle and I wanted to continue to be a swimmer. So I needed to maintain that healthy lifestyle, but now I didn't have the control of being able to pr uh, do my own food. So there's a few things that I learned over the years because, you know, I had some carers that came in that were very adept at cooking and then some I had to cook, you know, literally had to teach how to cook eggs. So that, you know, you've got a wide range of people. Uh, yeah, I can believe it either. Um, <laughs> Um, but yeah, so I had a wide range of people of like, you know, different skills and that. So one thing that I did quite a lot of was food preparation um, and helping. So much like they would, you know, I know bodybuilders do it a lot. You know, people you know, on fitness journeys, they do a lot of food prep at the beginning of the week. So if there was a carer that was particularly good at stuff, I would utilize their skills in areas that they were good at. Um, and maybe just say, like, rather than worrying who's going to be coming in the next day or whatever it might be focus on the people that can help me out there get them to do some food prep maybe put it in the freezer so it can be just reheated in the microwave and also that helps with timings as well because say you've got an hour uh, you could probably do a big batch of food and then throughout the week that can be a lot easier spread out and then if you need other things within that hour because i know that care can be limited in time so if you've only got say a 15 minute dinner call then it can be quite hard for somebody to come in, write in the book so they know what to do and then start cooking and then they've got to write in the book to leave and all that, which leaves you very little time for the cooking. So that food prep in the initial stuff can really help out there. Thank you. That's really practical advice. Anything you'd add to that, Emily? Well, so I'm going to come in from an emotional standpoint um, in the sense of would you you know would you feel comfortable to actually explain to your carer why you're doing what you're doing and, and why you like if some people are feeling uncomfortable about asking that of their carer you know sometimes just telling the carer like why you want why you're working towards this journey and why it's so important to you and how much you appreciate them coming in and supporting you with the goal um because yeah that's definitely the, the stance that the clients we've served have, have taken they've we've encouraged them to to talk a little about their own journey and what they're working towards and actually some carers have actually got quite motivated as a byproduct of, of of being involved in that in that journey and you know for one of my clients for instance her carer takes her progress pictures and and helps her with her measurements and she's very much a part of that client's journey which enables it to feel quite fulfilling I think uh, for this client so yeah just letting someone in and, and and explaining a little bit about what you're doing and why you're doing it may potentially help. Thank you I think that's all really good stuff so obviously we've talked a bit about food um kind of making me hungry but it's, <laughs> it's all good um but yeah I'm definitely gonna be um, having another look at how I'm prepping some stuff but why don't we talk about exercise so primarily I'm sort of aiming this to you Ben um do you tend to recommend and I guess depending on personal needs as well home or gym like one or the other and what for what reasons if you do um so yes I what I do most of the time is do home workouts that you can take into the gym as well I think it's more less focusing on like that and what equipment you've got and just fit, figuring out what you can do 
and figuring out what you can do with what you've got already and then just building from there it doesn't have to be you know in january you go and get your gym membership and then you realize that that's not going to work for you in whatever way that might be it might be financially it might be access needs it might be um your relationship you know mentally with the gym and just doing what you can so if it is that the gym is going to motivate you to keep going great that's a great option for you but if it's something that you know you get there and you're like well, no not sure about this and you might not even walk through the door for example but staying at home and you will get the workout and that's much more efficient you know whatever keeps you consistently getting the um work in over time is the better option really so that's why i tend to do home workouts that you can then take into the gym if that's something that you want to do yeah i think that's a good thing also because of the flexibility right so depending on how much time you've got even getting to the gym and back sometimes can add a bit more to that session so yeah having that flexibility is great stuff on a similar note, Emily, um, do you tend to find with your clients when it comes to the sort of exercise um, side of their well-being, they have a preference for one or the other? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, we always focus on the environment that enables the client to feel most comfortable. And majority of the time that starts at home. But then over time that might progress to going to the gym and having more variety and, and more options from an equipment standpoint or wanting a change of scenery sometimes it's quite nice to have that change of scenery um but yeah i'd say predominantly probably home focus more than more than gym based and actually it's because we're becoming a lot smarter from science to learn that you don't need to be spending three hours in the gym to generate great results and you can exercise smart and for a busy people and you know home is great and I think we've definitely learned that over the pandemic for sure yeah absolutely a question specifically for you Ben so of course adaptive fitness being what it is just for the listeners sake um, especially for someone who hasn't you know used your services what kind of exercises do you tend to recommend for people with limited mobility um well much like it is with the gym is focusing on what you can do rather than what you can't do so obviously everybody has like a big variety of abilities whether you're disabled or not you have a variety of abilities and you're somewhere along you know we're all at different points of our fitness journey so there's such a big variety there first thing to do is focus on what you can do and as i said before like it's not just access like what can you do financially what can you do um emotionally and you know how can you create the best sort of environment for yourself to be able to um, achieve so the ones that i tend to focus on initially is the ones that i think are more beneficial to the person to sustain the lifestyle that they want to so stuff like stability work uh working on longevity in like the shoulders for example if they're a wheelchair user you don't get another set of shoulders um it's not like teeth so um yeah like looking after their shoulders so you know they are able to live the life that they want to live um, and that can look different for different people. For example, if there's a lower leg amputee, it could be working more on hip stability stuff where it means that they um, are focused on so that, you know, they can use their legs to the best of their abilities so they can live the life they want to live. So it does come down to individuals again um, and just finding out like what their goals are, what their motivations are and how can we best sustain that for a long time. I'd much rather somebody do a little bit like um often uh, keeps them healthy for a long time then come in and you know lift some heavy weights and then a year later they're 
shoulders are knackered and they can't do anything else. So. I think not only is that, you know, a really positive, um, you know, uh, story, if you like, of how people can, you know, make sure that they do stay active. But also I'm thinking as you're talking about people actually like yourself who become disabled at some point in their life, because often, especially if you are really into fitness and maybe sports and so on, it can maybe feel like you're now really limited. So understanding that it will be different, maybe, but you're not limited uh, is. Yeah, I think it can help people have a much more positive mindset to keep going and keep up with that well-being as well. Definitely, yeah. I have a question about gyms. So I've recently gone back to a gym. I've got to be honest, exercising at home, we weren't getting on. So <laughs> I've gone back to a gym. Um, and I look around and I I question the accessibility, you've got to be honest. So, um, and I don't know if Emily, you'd have any feedback on this as well from clients, but certainly Ben, you've obviously <laughs> been around, I'm sure, to several. Do you find gyms are accessible? So it's a good question because yes and no. Um, it feels like, so I've done a talk recently called It's Not Just Ramps and Toilets. Um, and they seem to have fantastic ways to get into the gym and an amazing toilet. But I'm not there to go to the toilet. I'm there to exercise. I'm there to get, you know, improve myself. So it's all very good you know, all very well and good having a state-of-the-art lift, but if I can't use any equipment, what's the point of going? Or what's the point of um, having classes that the uh, teachers aren't trained in how to deal with somebody who comes along with a different ability? And I think for me personally, that like access is mostly okay. Um, equipment is okay if you sort of know what you're doing but I think the biggest problem is staff training and I think there's a huge like aspect there of that that the staff aren't trained because I I guess they don't see it as a priority as the business to cater for a wider variety of people you know if you, you come to them and go like oh if you were going to the gym and you were able-bodied for example you could go there they go all oh, right yeah you can do this on this equipment this on this equipment but if you come in a wheelchair for example they go oh I don't I don't know um I I, I don't know okay uh, let me think about that and it's that should already be in my opinion something that's done it's something that doesn't it's not a thousands of pounds of equipment it's simple staff training and how to talk to people how to interact with them so they can interact with the environment better um so that's for me a major part and then that tr transitions into things like classes for example what would happen you know i'm paying the same membership fee as everybody else why can't i come and do the spin class like is there a reason for that like yes i can't get on a bike but is there something else i can do i know there's something else i can do but that's because i'm <laughs> i do what i do but if you know for somebody else in my position might not know that so i've got to ask you now what would your alternative be to a spin bike so what I like to do with cardio workouts is to get a broom handle and you can just pretend you're kayaking, you know, forwards or backwards. You can do up above your head, loads of different movements that you can do with just a broom handle. And it's like that. I mean, how much a broom? You probably get one off Amazon for like two quid. Um, <laughs> and I was like, if they wanted to brand it with their branding name, it would cost a little bit more. But, <laughs> um, you know, you can get them in there and then they're in there and it's not just catering for their needs. It's including them with everybody else. Like it just means that 
there's a space in the corner or at the front or wherever it might be where the bike is taken away and there's a space for a wheelchair user or it could be that you know if they need it the other way around you know if it's a bike that is maybe got some alternative handles on it that you can put and that helps somebody who doesn't have arm use or whatever so yeah it's simple things and it's simple just knowledge and training and I don't think it would take a lot I think it's just the willingness to adapt. I think you've hit the nail on the head there as well with the word simple and that's why I really like the examples because it shows how simple accessibility can be it shows how simple inclusion can be it is just thinking outside the box sometimes and maybe doing things a little differently to what you had before so Emily with your clients for instance again you know having that confidence even to go to classes maybe and that kind of thing um do you think even then you know irrespective of a disability even if people were a bit more human centric and recognize that you know one size doesn't always fit all it would give people more confidence sometimes to be able to take part definitely a hundred percent and I think actually you know when it comes to health and fitness we are also unique and unfortunately like I commonly you know you see big group classes don't you and actually I oversee one when I'm in the gym and and the form for, for some of these people is is you know is 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 not great because there isn't you've got one instructor you've got loads of people and and I do often think that you know we do need that one-to-one -one support sometimes to be able to really you know have the confidence and get what we need to be able to go through this journey and I am quite passionate about that because I obviously see the byproduct of people that haven't had that one-to-one -one support that you know end up injured or have issues with food or, or body image as a byproduct um, but yeah I think from our stance if, if we were supporting um, somebody in that situation we were to go and relentlessly try and see how we could contact the gym and support them and identify how we can you know create a place where someone does feel comfortable to, to go to for sure. Yeah something I've actually um, experienced on more than one occasion as well particularly with classes in gyms is about other accessibility needs so for instance hearing vision you know being able to include people it does just mean doing things a little differently but not as an add-on I don't think somebody needs to come into the room and wave their hand and tell you that they're deaf you know, there are ways that people can operate a class, for instance, that can include everyone. But a bit like what Ben was saying earlier, that's not part of training. Mm -hmm. So you learn to do it one way. That's how you do it. Um, and that kind of assumes everyone can see you, hear you, even with the loud music. Um, and yeah, I just think that we're really missing a beat. And actually, as a business, those gyms are missing a beat because there are people that will not go in for that reason yeah definitely absolutely but you know just from a perspective of staff on the gym floor you know the focus is more on standing by the screen instead of going around and having active conversations and this just goes back to basics of us humans just need to communicate more you know and and the shift would be 10 times more enjoyable I'm sure if, if they were going around and, and talking to to people um so yeah I, I completely agree with that Ben question for you I don't want to mention any names, but do you find there's a difference around the accessibility from like big chain gyms versus independent ones? Yes. Yeah, so when you uh, 
sent this question through to me before. I, I was having a think of like the gyms I've been to and I never really like split the two up necessarily before in the past, but I would say definitely in terms of uh, optics uh, and how like accessible maybe the entrance is and all that. I think the commercial gyms have an edge there in terms of what they're doing to get you in. Um, and maybe like probably most of the time they're just more accessible from um, a on paper kind of view. But when I've been to an independent gym, it's usually run by the person who is in the gym and they are much more willing to be flexible. So they are more likely to be like, oh, OK, we need to change our attitude here. Um, what can we do to help you? How can we change it? Whereas obviously if you go to a commercial gym, it's usually an employee who doesn't have the authority to do anything outside of let you in or do a personal training session. So I think that's just in terms of the business model, it's like, you know, an independent gym usually has the owner there on site nearly all the time. You know, they're the ones that open up and lock the door at the end of the day. So they're the ones that are interested, you know, they, you know, and it's that community feel as well. You've got the, you know, the other members of the gym and it's got probably a bit more of a friendly atmosphere and, if there are things that you know need helping you need help with then i found in the past that it is the more inviting and welcoming an independent gym and then they're like well we can't actually <laughs> we don't actually have the money to do the access needs but at least they're you can see they want to do that so that's what i find yeah i've got to be honest that doesn't surprise me at all i just wanted to know your actual experience um, but I think that's good because I think it also helps people identify that if, for instance, they have gone out to the gym, you know, home exercise hasn't worked for them and maybe the gym scares them off a little, is maybe that wasn't the one for you. Like every kind of business, you know, maybe that wasn't the one for you and it's well worth, you know, having a conversation, investigating another, um, especially if it's something you're going to enjoy. You need to do it in the right place and you're giving them your money. You're a consumer at the end of the day. Um on that note with you know the whole home and gym thing again so equipment right if you want to exercise at home i mean i live in a fairly small house and i'll be honest i find it hard to find cupboard space for the stuff that i did buy for my home exercise so i guess my question is really about what's the minimum you can have and you can still get a proper workout out of it you know we used to see people with tins of beans as, as um, weights for instance um so if someone has got you know it's maybe a small home or you know really limited storage um especially if, of course if they need to make sure that they've got really clear accessible um floor space and so on what can they use so that they don't need to go out and buy, you know, steps and mats and lots of weight bars and so on. Who wants to take that? Emily, over to you. <laughs> so I'm a big fan of bands. I really, really like bands because you can progress with them and um, they're a great stepping stone from, you know, converting from body weight onto creating some resistance and really making sure that you're listening to your body and working with your body without pushing it too too hard um because actually a lot of our job is is holding our clients back because a, a lot of our clients they have such great mental resilience and they're like go 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 and i'm sure ben you might relate to this as well with your clients too um and it's very much like hang on a moment let's draw this back like let's focus on the importance of recovery too but 
I'd say bands are probably my favourite and also um, interchangeable, so in an interchangeable dumbbell. So if we were then at that stage where we wanted to create more resistance, instead of having, you know, a huge array of different weights, um, you can buy some really clever kit now where you can slot it in, decide what, what weight it's going to be and pull it out. And, it, and then it's just one simple device there. But the, the bands is probably my number one go to for sure. What about you, Ben? Uh, I'm the same resistance bands. Um, being somebody who I can't really do much exercise outside of a sitting position, and what resistance bands does is allow you to essentially defy gravity. What in terms of what you would have to use with a dumbbell? If I wanted to do a chest exercise, for example, lying down means getting into bed for me. <laughs> like I would be able to get on a gym bench. I'd, my spasms are too much. I would easily come off. So that is a dangerous situation, whereas a resistance band, I can tie it up behind me and I'm start pushing it and I'm getting that same workout in without having to move from my position, which can be difficult or impossible for some people. Um, and then, you know, it, as Emily said about, you know, the variation to resistance, you, I've got behind me, I've got about six resistance bands of various um, strength, you know, starting from lower ones. and the increments you can get, you just move a little bit further away and you've got more resistance. And then when it gets too much, you just go up the next resistance band and then you keep going the way along. So the versatility of it is amazing. And I, I don't think there's an exercise that I can't do without resistance bands. There's some I prefer to do with like a cable machine or some like a Smith machine at the gym, but I don't always have access to that. For example, I went on holiday to Bali and it's difficult enough trying to find a gym there, let alone one that doesn't have steps. <laughs> so I took my resistance bands along with me, tied it to the bottom of the uh, bed post and there, had a workout, had a gym right there in my uh, hotel room. So you can tie them up small and take them wherever you want. But also another practical element is they can suit any budget because a lot of gym equipment for home is actually quite expensive and it might be a one-off outlay, but not everybody's got it. So I think that's another great thing about bands. So the big question for both of you um, is kind of a bit of a closing statement, really. But what would you say to someone who wants to get healthy, maybe lose some weight? Um, they just don't believe they can achieve their goals because of their accessibility needs. What's your core message? Emily, I'll come to you first. OK, so my core message would be to find an inspirational character that you relate to and whether that might be Ben today on the call you know find someone that you feel you can relate to and listen to and you know you might be able to find their autobiography you might be able to listen to maybe have a podcast or a, or a content channel um, and al allow them to support you to start really believing in yourself because I really think learning from people is one of the most valuable things a hundred percent and yeah just that's probably my top tip there. And, and when it comes to, you know, because I work in the realms of, of, of weight loss, when it comes to achieving that um, that goal, you know, it's something that you you are in control of. You know, you are in control of, of the food side of things. So be empowered and know that you definitely can achieve great, great results um, with something that you can control. But I think for me, it's having that one person that you can um, look up to and you can relate to is one of the most powerful things to keep you consistent and believing in yourself. That's a wonderful message. Thank you. And what about you, Ben? 
So I think I've already touched on it a couple of times, but again, focusing on like what you can do rather than what you can't do. I think um, a lot of the times you, when you, for example, if you Google how to lose weight, how to get fit, how to do this, it's always the perfect method, but we live in an imperfect world. We're all imperfect people. Um, and that means that our things have to be individual to ourselves. To some person, some people out there, that might be, you know, gym isn't for you. It might be going to yoga and that might be your outlet to get fit and healthy. But as long as it's something that you can do consistently, you can do it safe and it's accessible to you in a number of ways. If that's um, to do with your access needs because of your ability levels, whether that's your financial uh, access or what, you know, those different factors come into there. Just doing what works for you and what you can do on a consistent basis. Consistency is always key. There's no no point of doing a two week fast diet with a massive amount of weights if you're not going to keep it up for a long term. A fitness journey is something to do over the course of your lifetime, not over the course of a couple of weeks. It's um, a lifestyle change, not a just a quick fix as such. So yeah, just doing what you can and remembering that a little goes a long way as well by like just doing a small amount every day or every other day or whatever it might be really really does go a long way i just love the fact that your advice is just so practical um before we actually close out i just want to make sure um because i'm sure there's going to be plenty of listeners who want to get in touch um and want to sort of get more involved with your services so how do they find you yeah absolutely so you can find me over on instagram I uh, will warn you, I talk a lot on my story. <laughs> I love a good chat. Uh, so you can reach me on my handle, which is at Emily Deluzzi, which is D-E-L-U-Z-Y. Um, and I also have a website which tells you all about how we may be able to help you. And that's coachingbyemily.com. Thank you. And Ben? Yeah, so if you are interested in free live workouts um, or pre-recorded stuff, I would say check out my YouTube channel. Um, I go live there every Monday and Friday at 5 p.m. And that's completely free as long as you can make the time. Uh, that's all you need to do. Um, so that's one way if you want that. If you want uh, to know more about me and my life uh, as well, check out my Instagram page. I do lots there. Um, and the other thing to do is check my website. So it's all adapt to perform. Um, that's T-O, not the number two. Um, and the website is adaptiveperform.co.uk. So you can find out lots about me in all those different places wonderful thank you both so much for taking part today i've learned loads so i'm sure that our listeners are going to but honestly it's just sort of wholehearted practical advice and it just shows that people aren't limited and um yeah i'll certainly be keeping track and i'm curious ben i'm going to be having a look at one of your uh, exercises <laughs> good join in it's accessible for everybody it doesn't have to be just uh, those with different abilities so <laughs> wonderful thank you both so much take great care thank you for listening to this podcast and we really hope you enjoyed it we'd love to hear your feedback so please do get in touch and don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss out on the other wonderful guest speakers we have lined up